Lord on this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we magnify and we glorify your precious name. Thanking you today again for another opportunity that we have, Lord God. Lord, and I pray as it's already been put before you this morning that we don't look at this time with you, Lord God, as anything more than what it should be. And this is an opportunity that we have, Lord God, to allow you to speak to our hearts. That we come before your throne of grace, Lord God, with ears to hear what thus saith the Lord. So I pray right now that you will allow us to open our hearts, Lord God, that we may receive your word from on high, Lord God. Not for what we want it to be, not for what we even think that we need it to be, but for what you are sending it, Lord God. Because that is the only unadulterated truth, Lord God, that we can receive that won't be contaminated with our thoughts, our will, and our way, Lord God. So remove everything of us, Lord God, and, and, and speak to our hearts from your place, from your perspective, that we may be able to receive your will in your way. And all that's in agreement say, Amen, amen, amen. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray and we say amen. Glory be to God. So I'm excited yet again today that we have the opportunity to continue the journey that we are on. This journey of what is your life? Come on, somebody. Today we are continuing the journey of what is your life? This is part number four. Somebody ought to be excited about this. Come on. Hallelujah. What is your life? Part number four. And if you will, turn your Bibles to Psalms chapter eight uh, this morning as our passage of scripture that we'll start with is coming from Psalms chapter eight verses four through eight. And as you get your Bibles turned to there, then just in as a quick review and just a reminder, uh, as this is part number four of what is your life, that God has already spoken to us and he's laid some groundwork and some footwork uh, as we continue on the journey. And the first thing above all things in what is your life that God has wanted to speak to us and, and the foundation that he's laid is for us to, to, to understand, come on somebody, for us to understand that there's that our life, first and foremost, is nothing more than a vapor. As the word of God has spoken to us. And, and, and that vapor that the word is speaking to us is really putting forth a precedence. And, 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 and he wants to speak uh, uh, understanding to us that our life and our time here is a short time. In comparison to eternal time. And in us understanding that, that our lives is nothing more than a vapor. And, and how uh, short that time is, you know, the psalmist David talked about, you know, measuring the days that he may be able to realize God's measure my days. Show me the measurement of my days that I may be able to see how frail my time in my life is. And the frailty that he was talking about was having a clear understanding of the fact that that, you know, that my time from the time that I was born to the time that I die or till the second coming of Jesus Christ, until Jesus returns in there, whichever comes first for each and every one of us. Uh, the, the King David, what he realized is that that, that that time, you know, as short as it is, what it began to speak to him is the next thing that God wants to lay as a foundation in our hearts is that when we realize how short our time is, or our, our time being a vapor here today and gone tomorrow, then it sets forth a, a precedence that will give us the, the draw us to this place of redeeming the time or understanding that we must value the time that we have. See, there's not going to be no value to the time that you have if you don't understand the vapor that it is. See, and we live in a world right now that people don't understand that their life is a vapor. They don't understand what it's really all about. Therefore, they, they, there's no value to the day. That, they, that we just go about our daily routine. And it reminds us of a time 
that, that, we'll, that, that we've already spoken about or God has already spoken to us about. And that was the time that, you know, when the world had got so bad after, after the creation and, and after him imparting to Adam and Eve, you know, their assignment here on earth that the world continuously got so bad and right before the, the, the day uh, of the flood, you know, at the time of Noah, that the world was so evil. And then and in that time that even with the warnings that God gave back then, that people did not value the day. He says that, uh, that they were eating and drinking and being merry when the flood came. With no value to the day at all, my friends. And guess what? If we look around and if we see the picture, we're looking at a picture that seems re uh, very similar to the one that the Bible describes in the days of Noah. My God is one to really speak to us through the understanding of what is your life. As he's speaking to us about what is your life, that we realize that our lives is a vapor first and foremost that will draw us into an understanding of the value, the value that we must place on each and every day that we are being, have been given. This is a, a real foundational Understanding that God wants to appeal to our heart, my friends, because otherwise we'll live out the rest of our days from one day to the next. And we'll continue to do exactly the opposite of those of us that have been redeemed. That was the next thing that he spoke to us about, because once we can understand that our life is a vapor and it draws us into this uh, a heart set of the of valuing the time that we have. Then and only then can we, we lay the real foundation in our heart to realize that every day that we have to value that it don't belong to us. That we should no longer live for ourselves is what he spoke to us on last week about. But that our life should be lived for him. What is your life? He's speaking to us in real time, my friend, and, and it takes us walking from one step to the other. Understanding what, our, the, what this time is really all about. Understanding that it's short. Understanding the value of it. And then understanding that it's not for us to live for ourselves. Not to value it for yourself, but to value it for him and the kingdom of God. And in valuing our lives and our, our time of our stay here, then we realize that the, the clearest picture that the word of God speaks to us about as uh, far as humanity is concerned, is our opportunity to steward over that which God has given us. This was the other thing that he showed us. In, in 2 Chronicles, or excuse me, 1 Chronicles chapter 29, it was is when he had spoke to us about the fact that he showed us that King David and the people of the assembly, this is at the end of King David's life, that, that more than anything, he came to a realization that everything that he had and everything of, the, the, of, of himself was the, the Lord's, had always been the Lord's, that was still is the Lord's. And even in the time that he's departing from this place, that he realized that everything that he ever had in life was the Lord's. It came from the Lord and it belonged to the Lord. And it wasn't just talking about the, uh, the, the financial or the money that he had. But what we come to understand that he was talking about even his, his life itself, his health itself, his spiritual gifts, his talents, belong, they came from the Lord and they belong to the Lord. And this speaks volumes to us today, my friend, that if we can really understand what is our life and the fact that our lives don't belong to us, that everything that we have, including our talents, including our spiritual gifts, and many of us have many spiritual gifts that God has given us. Many of us have much talent that God has given us. But you have to understand, and this is what this word is speaking to us about, and what is your life? That you, your spiritual gifts did not come from you. They came from the Lord. And they belong to the Lord. And it leaves us at a place when we understand that then we can steward over the gifts that God has given us, over everything that God has given us. And we ought to. We have to. 
It's our responsibility, my friends. And so last week, he spoke to us about a beautiful human example that as God has given uh, gifts and, 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 and everything that God placed in this young man's hands, that he used it and he allowed God to have the favor in his life. That was the story of Joseph that God talked to us about that was so beautiful and so eloquent in, in the fact that Joseph was sold into slavery. But he trusted God enough that even when he was bought out of slavery and brought into the kingdom of Egypt in the house of Potiphar, which was one of the, the uh, head guys in, to the Pharaoh, that God's favor was on his life so much that even uh, Potiphar, the master of the house, realized the favor that God had upon Joseph's life. And what did Potiphar do? He ended up turning over everything that he owned and put it under the control of Joseph. And the Bible tells us uh, when we studied this on last week that he submitted everything to the, uh, the control of Joseph to steward over all that he had, even to the point that he did not, Potiphar did not know what he had except for the bread that Joseph gave him to eat. This is how he was entrusted and that picture speaks to you and me today, my friend, that is your spiritual gift, all that you have that God has placed it in your hands. It don't belong to you. It didn't belong to Joseph. But God uh, put the trust in us, just like uh, Potiphar put the trust in Joseph to, because he believed with all his heart that Joseph would be faithful, that Joseph would be loyal to him. And as we go through the, went through the story, we know that that's exactly what Joseph was. He was loyal and faithful to him, even in many compromising positions, even the ones that, uh, that, 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 that showed the picture of, of Potiphar's wife coming on to Joseph. And Joseph having all of Potiphar's stuff in his hands, you know, but, but he did not cross the line. And as God is speaking to you and me today, are we crossing the line in terms of what God has given us and entrusting us with? Or are we good stewards over that which God has given us? And through each and every one of these parts as we went forth through this, the picture is us being good stewards over the life that God has given us. And we know and we talked about the fact that a steward is a representative or a manager, someone who stands in for the authority figure, the boss. Being given the responsibility to manage and to represent that which don't belong to them, but have full control to manage, and not only control, but the responsibility to manage. And the management uh, that, that, that has been given to them or in stewardship, the manager don't manage for his own pleasure, but he manages for the pleasure of the master. That's the key, my friend. And for each and every one of our lives, God has given us to manage and be in full control, but it ain't for us to, for our pleasure, it's for his pleasure. Come on, somebody. And this is a hard lesson. <coughs> it's a hard lesson, my friend, because when you are in full control of something, it makes it very difficult to not use it for your pleasure and to remember what this is all about. That's why the question is before us and it's going to be before us and God wants you to keep it before you. What is your life? Realizing your life don't belong to you. It is for you to live for him and not for ourselves. As we discussed in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Verse 15, that he died for all. That those who live, that's you and me, those that have eternal life, that we should no longer live for ourselves, but for him who died for us and rose again. And the key in all of this, my friends, that this is not some just words that God is saying or words that just is spoken. God needs us to get this into the bottom of our hearts that it makes a difference, it makes a change in our life, that we can truly begin to be vessels and instruments that he can actually use in a time such as this. Because that was the other thing that he talked to us about, that there's a purpose to God giving you the responsibility to manage uh, for his pleasure. 
Because he needs to use us not for, uh, for just like we've been called out of the darkness and moved into the marvelous light, that he can use us that somebody else may be brought out of the darkness into his marvelous light, my friends. So no, it's not about us. While it yet is our responsibility for so long and too long, I'm not even talking about the world because we know that the world has no responsibility to live for the Lord because they haven't accepted the Lord. But the church has this responsibility because we have accepted the way of salvation. We have accepted the plan of God. We believed in our hearts and confessed with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. And in that God has made us a reservation that you can't cancel, my friend. Or, or should I say he's made you a reservation that he is faithful and loyal enough to keep. Hallelujah. And in that it is, becomes our reasonable service to be a living sacrifice for a short period of time is what he spoke to us on last week. That this time, that this short period of time that may be filled with some grief and a, a little bit of suffering. And, and, and he reminded us that that suffering is not yet to be compared to that which he has in store for us, my friends. So let's keep it straight. But it's left us as the church for far too long that we've sought to not live for, uh, uh, for the kingdom, but we sought to live for ourselves. And, 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 and in that, call ourselves blessing the kingdom. And I get it. I get it. It's a thin line and all of that. But God is wanting to make it straight with us on today. And as he continues with us on this journey of what is your life, he needs us to realize that uh, just like Joseph and how Joseph used Allow God to use him as a good steward. That likewise, that we have been appointed to the same task. And that task is stewards over God's creation. We have been appointed as stewards over God's creation. Did you know that? This goes all the way back to the beginning. Man's authority was established when uh, God created him in his image. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27, the Hebrew word for image is uh, the same that's used in the Old Testament that refers to a physical likeness or statue. But uh, understand this, because God is not a physical being, but because God is a spirit. Come on, somebody. Human beings do not represent his physical likeness. Rather, it's a... Uh, the, they're God's representative they represent his authority on the earth hear me the image that we have been parted to the authority that we have been given to uh, you know, over God's creation is for us to be representatives for him by the authority that he's given us on the earth see in that he says that uh when he created man, that he gave him dominion over the birds of the air, the beast of the field, and over all the living things that walked upon the earth. Come on, somebody. This was the, 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 the uh, dominion that was given to us. This is uh, the appointment uh, of stewardship that was given to us. But the problem is, is this. Is that for far too long, the church have not understood what dominion is. Uh, what, they, they, what the church have done is they took dominion in the, the natural language or the English language, and they never linked stewardship to it. Hear what thus saith the Lord, because he's going to put something on your mind right now. See, we understand dominion to be in rule over and to have authority over something. But the truth of the matter as it pertains to the kingdom of God is dominion as the dominion in the creation. Yes, it's to rule over. It's to have authority over. But it it's also linked to stewardship. 
So truly, the, the, the true Christianity or the true kingdom definition of dominion that God gave unto man, when he says, I want you to, to, to have dominion over the fish of the, uh, the sea and the birds of the air, over the beast of the field and over all things that creep upon the earth, that he, he was giving him stewardship. What he was giving him is what we find in Psalms chapter 8. Open your Bibles there. This is huge, my friends. Psalms chapter 8, verses 4 through 8. Hear what thus saith the Lord. As you get there, let me remind you again that dominion was given to man in the creation of man. And God gave him dominion. Again, I can't say it enough. Over all things, all over the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, the beast of the field, over all things that creep upon the earth. But dominion for the church, we've not put it in its spiritual context, Josh. What we've done is made it a worldly context. That now that I have dominion, that means I have rule and control to do with it as I, oh, let me stop right there. See, that's the problem. Do, uh, dominion that God gave, it was linked to a stewardship. And we find it here. Let us read verse 4 of chapter 8 of Psalms. It says, what is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you visit him. Verse 5. For you have made him a little lower than the angels and you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. I'm going to read that again. That you have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. All the sheep, oxen, even the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea that passes through the paths of the sea. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name on all the earth. So what we see and what we find here is that God has given man dominion over the works of his hands. See, the works of God's hands is, is still God's. And the, where we missed the boat at, again, my friends, is that we have, we've took dominion to, uh, as though it was the works of our own hands. No, it's still the works of God's hand. And so we cannot go no further until we make a clear understanding as to what truly, what dominion that God gave. The dominion that God gave to man was the authority to steward that's what dominion God gave. He says, the works of my hands, uh, I'm going to give you authority to steward over the works of my hands. And we got to keep this in proper order in our hearts. And what is steward? What did he give us authority to do? He gave us the authority to be responsible or the responsibility with steward is to manage for the master's pleasure. So what he gave us is the responsibility to manage that, the works of his hand for his pleasure, my friend. This is a serious message because far too long the church, what we've done is we've taken, and, and, and I've heard it preached, I've seen books written on it, and, and it focused on the, uh, the dominion that man had, the rule and the control that man had. And it left out the connection that the rule and the control we had was given by God and it was for us to manage that which was with the works of his hand for his pleasure. Turn your Bibles to Daniel chapter 3. Oh, actually Daniel chapter 4. Daniel chapter 4. And what we'll find here in Daniel chapter 4, first and foremost. Is that the works of God's hands is awesome 
and they are mighty. And yet God gives dominion to man in the earth. See, and when we don't have a proper perspective of it, then the word of God will seem contradictory to one another. But given the proper understanding, as we read in the word here in Daniel, we'll see that uh, the, the dominion, glory be to God, the dominion that comes from the almighty God and from the works, the wonderful works of his hand, uh, that his kingdom is everlasting and his dominion is from generation to generation. That God has never lost control. That God has never been out of control. That all control is always in his hand. Come on, somebody. And though we know these by words, but uh, we've been confused with the fact that God has given us dominion. Because we didn't have it linked to the fact that it was the dominion he gave us was the dominion over all of his, the works of his hand to manage the responsibility to manage that. Hallelujah. This is good news. Look at verse uh, 3. Matter of fact, let's back up to verse 1. This is King Nebuchadnezzar, and he says, to all people. Actually, before we read that, let me lay the foundation here. Here, King Nebuchadnezzar has just uh, experienced uh, another wonderful sign from God, the only true God. Because as we know the story that uh, back in these times in, in King Nebuchadnezzar himself, he had just built a golden idol that he had all, called for all of the, 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 the children and the people of the nation to worship his golden idol. Come on, somebody. But yet because Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and, none of, and, and these two true young men, men that understood that, they, that God had given him a responsibility to manage the, uh, that which he had placed in them, that they were not willing by no means to worship another God. And so what King Nebuchadnezzar right here has just witnessed again is uh, Daniel, uh, excuse me, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego going through the firing furnace that he had threw them in there to be burnt up. He had even told the, the, the guards to turn the fire up seven times to make it seven times hotter to the point that even those that came close to the door, many of them were seared and died because of the heat. Hallelujah. But yet Daniel, I mean, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the midst of the fire was in there singing songs and praising the Lord and the fire could not touch them. So what he had just witnessed was the wonderful sign and the miracles of God that will keep those that trust in the Lord. Even to the point, matter of fact, let's back up to chapter three so we can read the, the real essence of it. Starting uh, Daniel chapter three, verse 26. I'll read this quickly. It says, then Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the burning fire and furnace and spoke saying, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came from the midst of the fire. And the satraps, the, the administrators, the governors, and the king's councils, counselors gathered together. And they saw these men of, whom, of whose body the fire had no power. Their hairs of their head was not singed nor was their garments affected. And the smell of fire was not on them. Come on, somebody. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. This is right after he had, had the, you know, uh, was, was killing people or willing to kill people for not worshiping his God. But now through the sign of, the, of, of the, the, the faithfulness of these young men that trusted in the Lord. Here the king Nebuchadnezzar said, forget my God. Here we, look, let me, let's just go further. In 28 he says, Nebuchadnezzar spoke saying, blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him. And they have frustrated the king's words and yield their bodies that they should not serve nor, nor worship any god except their own god. He says, therefore, I make a decree to all the people, all the nations, or languages which speak any 
amidst against the God of Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. Let me read that again. He says, I make a decree that any people, any nation, or languages which speaks anything amidst against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut into pieces. And their houses shall be made into ash heaps because there is no other God who can deliver like this one. Hey, hallelujah. There is no other God. And see, we have people that's looking in the world. We live in a time right now that God wants to show himself just like he showed here. But do we trust in the Lord enough that he can show the people that there is no other gods? There's not Zeus. There's not Buddha. There's not uh, no other gods but him that can deliver. Hallelujah. But it's going to take us trusting in him enough just like these boys did. And look what it goes on to say. It says, uh, verse 30, so then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of uh, Babylon. And so now we go into chapter four. So this is what has just happened. It says, Nebuchadnezzar the king to all the people, nations, and languages that dwelled in the earth, peace be multiplied to you. This is him writing. He says, I thought it good to declare the signs and wonders that the most high God has worked for me. He sees what's happened. He says, now look, here it is. How great are his signs. How mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, my friends. See, remember what we're talking about. We're talking about the dominion. We're talking about what true dominion from the kingdom of God perspective really is. He's, even the king now comes to an understanding that his kingdom is everlasting. And then he says that his dominion is from generation to generation, my friends. We got to know that the God that we serve, that he is still in control, that he is still the, uh, the power of all things. And though he's given to us for our stay here, this is what this is all about. This is why it's talking about what is your life? Because we have a responsibility, my friends, that in our lives, that we manage that which the master has given us for his pleasure. It's high time that the church get off of this high horse and begin to understand that this ain't about us. This ain't about you. This ain't about me. This ain't about our, my pleasure and, and, and taking the things that God has given me and using them for myself. That the word of God is still yet true. And yes, he gave man dominion. And he repeated that dominion even after he destroyed the, uh, the, the earth with water and only left two by two and, 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 and Noah and his eight uh, family members, the eight of them, that God repeated the same thing that he had told Adam and Eve from the beginning. He repeated the charge of dominion. And he, he, he gave them a simple charge of dominion and that was to take control over all the, that you have dominion, you have control, you have rule over. But when we, we know what dominion is all about, this is, you have rule over to steward. Not for yourself, but for him. This is why, so this is the same thing that we talked about a couple weeks ago when Jesus gave the, the parable of the talents. That when the master went away, that he had gave five, two, and one. But the master is coming back, my friend. And the talents that he's giving you, what is he going to come back to? Is he going to come back to one that have doubled his talents and say, present to the Lord. That this is, I took the two that you've given me and here, I got four for you now, Lord. Or are we going to be like the one that he gave the one talent? That buried it in the sand. In essence, used it for itself. And when the master came back, he was only able to give him what he, he was given. Nothing else. Nothing more. No value to the time. God ain't looking to just get back you from you. He's looking to get what he's invested in you that he can use that there's somebody that you, when you come before him, that there's some, some other ones on the account. And not because you led him to the Lord, but because he used you and you used the right talents that he gave you because that, 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 the Bible says 
that no man comes unto the Father unless he's been drawn. And that drawing ain't from you. It's by the, the Jesus, the Christ, the living Son of God. See, that's why Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. It's Jesus that draws men unto the kingdom. But he, you are the vessel that has been given the talent that you don't bury it in the sand, but that you use it, invest it. That some return will come. And for many of us, we're going to stand before the king. I'm talking about Jesus Christ. And what will be on our account is the question. And see, the, thing, the interesting thing about this story, because even though now, and this, is, this, this has to be where the place where the rubber really meets the road, and we got to really understand this, because it ain't good enough just for us to know the wonders of the Lord. It ain't good enough for us just to see, have seen the signs of the Lord. And even just like King Nebuchadnezzar turn around and declare it as a, a rule to the people. So it ain't good enough just for me to have known the sign, for me to have seen the sign, and for me to even stand here and before you and declare the sign. There's yet more to it. Because what we see here with King Nebuchadnezzar is although he has seen the miracles of Yahweh and believed that it is the spirit of the holy God that was within Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. He then, in chapter 4, has a dream. But yet his heart is still filled with pride. And that's what this dream that he has in chapter 4 exemplifies. That he has not submitted to the rulership or he had not submitted the rulership of his own kingdom to the kingdom of God. See, God gave him the kingdom, but then he took the kingdom, and instead of submitting the kingdom to the rulership of God, he took the kingdom and submitted the rulership to himself. Hello? This is what we do with our life, my friends. Yes, God has given you your kingdom, but are you taking the kingdom, and do you understand the dominion that you have that is to be a steward and it's not for you to rule for your control and for your pleasure but it's for you to take that which God has given you and just like unlike King Nebuchadnezzar but take what the kingdom that God has given you and put it under the rulership or submit it to the rulership of the kingdom of God where it belongs so here in chapter 4 as you read through it what you see is a, he had a dream that none of his magicians his satraps, his, all of his uh, top boys could not interpret. So naturally, he calls on Daniel, the man that was, had the spirit of the holy God, of the most high God living on the inside of him. The one that was true to God, one that God, that, that put his trust in God completely. Hear what thus saith the Lord, my friends. Because for far too long, we've been encouraged that it was good enough just to say the words. It was good enough just to observe the, 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 the miracles of God and the wonders of God and then declare them to somebody. But it never gave us the responsibility on how to live after that. So what we did is we took them same things and kept it under our own rulership and filled and ourselves been filled with pride. This is what, the, what we see in the church now. This is why the church puts the onus on God and, and the relationship with God, the only relationship with God is what God is going to do for me or for us or what God's supposed to do for us. If we take what God has given us and submit it to the rulership then, uh, of God, then you already know he's at work for himself. And you are a benefactor of that work. Look what happened here. So in short, the dream shows this. He says he, that, that uh, he begins to explain the dream. And he tells him that he's seen a tree in the midst of the earth, a, a big tree. It was a giant tree. And the tree began to grow and became strong. Look at verse 11. It says its height reached to the heavens. And it could be seen to the ends of the earth. Its leaves were lovely, this tree. Its fruits were abundant. And it was full of food for all. 
The beast of the fields found shelter or shade under the tree. The birds of the heavens dwelt on the branches. And all flesh was fed from the tree. He begins to explain to Daniel what the dream is. And he sees this. And then he says, I saw in a vision in my head while I was on my bed. Verse uh, 13. It says, there was a watcher, a holy one, referred to an angel, coming down from heaven. He cried aloud and said, chop down the tree and cut off its branches. Strip, it, its, uh, strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the beast get out from under it and the birds from its branches. Nevertheless, leave the stump uh, and the root in the earth bound with a band of iron and brass. In the tender grass of the field, let it be wet with dew of heaven and let him graze with the beast on the grass of the earth. Let his heart be changed from that to a man. Let him be given the heart of a beast and, seven, and let seven times pass over him. Wow. This is the dream. And so the interpretation comes. But before we get to the interpretation, look at verse 17. Yet again, the word of God says, this decision is by the decree of the watcher. It's talking about the instructions of the dream, what the dream was. They came by the instructions of the watcher. Who is the watcher? The angel. And the sentence from the word of the Holy One which was to cut down the tree and do all of that in order that the living, hear this, in order that the living may know that the most high God rules in the kingdom of man. In the kingdom of man. So the fact that we have dominion, if we understand what it is, it doesn't change, it, it, this doesn't make us this, the kingdom of man, this don't make us the ruler of the kingdom of man. It makes us stewards of the kingdom of man. This is huge. This makes us stewards of the kingdom of man because the Bible says that the most high rules in the kingdom of man. He gives it to whom he will and sets over it the lowest man if he likes. The Most High is still the, king, uh, the ruler of the kingdom of man, even though he's given us some dominion. He's given us some power for our short period of time, for our stay here. He's given you some control to manage for him that which he's given you for his pleasure, not for our own. And this is the biggest trick of the enemy that he's forecast even in the body of Christ. That that which God has given you is that it's for your, it, it ultimately we can say glory be to God, but we've used it all for our own pleasure. And not only used it for our pleasure, we're seeking God to bless how, the usage. When it's clear in his word that, it's, that the most high is still the ruler of the kingdom of men. And so here, I, I bring this before us because it's an awesome example of a man that's seen the wonders of God. And the wonders of God changed his mind to bless the Most High God, to recognize that God was the only true God. And even in recognition of him being the only true God, there is an issue, my friend, because that which we are in control of, that which we have full control of, that which we have dominion of, that we ought to be very careful because what we see here with, with, with uh, King Nebuchadnezzar is the fact that even though he understood who God was, he, what he was, the pride that was still in him did not allow him to submit his rulership of his kingdom under the rulership to the kingdom of God. And so God had to show him a dream. God had to demonstrate some things. And needless to say, as, you, as Daniel explained to him what the dream was from verse 19, he begins to explain to him what the dream was. And he says, this dream, my friend, is you. This great tree is you, the one that has grown strong. It's you. 
So you have grown strong in the earth that all the, the, the people and everything is dependent on you, King Nebuchadnezzar, even to the fact that your kingdom is what feeds the world at this time. So you got some, you a big dog and you in control of a lot of stuff. Hear me. Can you hear what thus saith the Lord? But in that, here's where the problem begins. Because as he shows him that he is in control of all of these things. Come on, somebody. Let us not be distracted. That yet he still had a responsibility to remember who God was. He had a responsibility to remember even the words that he said out of his own mouth back at the beginning of the chapter. In, in, four, in verses 3 and 4 where he says, How great are his signs and wonder and how mighty uh, is his wonders his kingdom is everlasting. He went on to say, and his dominion is from generation to generation. That God has never lost his dominion, my friends. He's never given his dominion and his rulership away. He's just appointed it for a period of time. For your life. What is your life? Your life is that time frame that we're talking about. Remember what we're talking about here. That you have been given a time frame. That God has been placed you in this earth. And he's given you through the, uh, the resurrection of the, the blood of his son. He's given us a chance. As he's given us dominion. As he's given us a responsibility to manage that which he's given. And put into our hands. If you remember what it says in Psalms that what? That he has given dominion over the works of his hands. It's the works of God's hands that he's given dominion, given charge to you and to me. He says, take this works of my hand. That King Nebuchadnezzar understood how wonderful and mighty they were. And you and me ought to understand the same thing. And he said, take this, the works of my hands, and I want you to take on the responsibility to manage it for my pleasure. I know this ain't no popular message, and I get it, but the fact of the matter is the truth of God's word, and we are living in a time that the urgency for the truth of God's word is it's, it's, it's now. It is now, my friend. We can't go no further or no longer looking for what we want to get out of God, but not looking to give God what he wants. <coughs> so here in the story, it is. As we go through it, and you'll see, if you skip down in chapter 4, Daniel chapter 4, look again. He tells the instruction was to chop down the tree. And that's exactly what happened. So if you know the story, if you read the story, what ends up happening is, is it, th that very moment that Daniel gave the interpretation. Immediately, the manifestation of the interpretation came. And they cast King Nebuchadnezzar out of rule. And the Bible says that he wandered in the fields. And he became like one of the beasts where he, his food was the, the, the grass like, like the oxen. That he became deranged in his mindset. That his hair grew uh, crazy and that his nails grew uh, long. Seven times over. He dwelled with a, with a messed up mind and, and in the field like a beast. With nothing. He, his kingdom had fallen. And it says then one day after seven times over that his mind returned to him. And that was that stump. He says, don't take the stump. Remember, he says, cut it down to a stump, but don't remove the stump from the earth. Matter of fact, cover it with brass and armor to protect it. And that was the return of the king, Nebuchadnezzar, that his mind came back to him. He was restored into his kingdom. And he rose up again, but this time, guess what? He rose to an understanding not only of the wonders and the signs of God, 
but the rulership of his kingdom belonged to God. And that's what it is for you and me, my friends. And the crazy thing about it is that in, 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 would take time to read this because what you'll see immediately as, as King Nebuchadnezzar's reign came to an end, starting in chapter five, the very next chapter, then it was his son, King Shazar. And the very same thing that his son had witnessed all of this stuff. His son not only witnessed the greatness of this kingdom before it fell, he witnessed the fall, he witnessed his, his dad uh, living as a beast for seven times over in the field and, being, and returning to it. And guess what? When he became a king, guess what happened? Immediately, the same thing. That he began to worship other gods. Understand this, my friend, and I only say that part, and you can read it for yourself because it's, it shows the importance of don't, that we can't think more highly of ourselves than we ought. Because just because mama, we see mama go through it and we see mama give her life and go through all of this different stuff don't mean or take for granted the fact that you, you know, just because you believe in God don't mean that you've given rulership over to the kingdom of God as you manage that which he, God has placed inside of you. The talents that he's given you. The health that he's given you. The life that he's given you. This is a, this thing causes us to, to, for a series, a serious, 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 somebody say serious, a serious attention. See, King Nebuchadnezzar thought he had it because he's seen the wonderful works and you could see the passion in which when he seen uh, God deliver them boys out of that fire furnace, he knew that that was the only true God. And you could see the passion in which he declared to all the people, if you speak against this God, you're going to be doomed. And he meant that. But what he didn't understand and didn't recognize was the own, his own pride, pride and exhortation within his own self that wasn't allowing him, even though he knew God, to surrender or submit the, the rulership of his kingdom to God. And see, and this is a thin line in, in, within of us that we can believe in God, but are we submitting our rulership over to the kingdom of God? And we can think just because we believe that that's good enough, just because we've seen the signs and even the fact that we've declared some things, that means we to testify to some things of the goodness of the Lord. It don't end right there, my friends. That is just the beginning, truth be told, that now we have the opportunity to, to allow God to, to wipe away the, the exhortation or the pride that lies within us that we can't even recognize ourselves. And allow him to take that which he's placed, given us dominion over, which is the authority to, to steward. And what steward means is the, the responsibility to manage for him and for his pleasure. That which he's given us, that it gives us now, that he searches in our heart, a place that you can't search. You're not qualified to search the depths of your heart. This is why the Bible says that our hearts are so deceitfully wicked, no one can know it but him. So this is a place that we have to trust him and to be able to go before the Lord and have him tell us what's in my heart, Lord, that ought not to be there, not just say the words, but begin to submit our hearts to him that he can show us. Even to the point when he begins to show us that we'll say the words, but when he shows, then we'll walk in denial of it. Because we won't take the manifestation of our actions and, and know that that's what is in our heart. We'll call the, the manifestations, meaning the act that we actually do, we'll call it a lie and say, God knows my heart. Well, yeah, he do. That's why he just showed you the manifestation. This is a serious thing, my friends. And this ain't no milk. This takes us really digging deep into and answering the question or allowing God to speak the answer to us of what is our life? What is our life? What is your life? Desperately, God is pleading with us that he died, he sent his son to die for that those of us that live should no longer live for ourselves. You can't do it. Yeah. 
that this in the time that you have here that we value the rest of our days. And in order to value, he already told us that you got to realize that it's only a vapor. That you can be here today and gone tomorrow. <coughs> There's a funeral this coming weekend in, in, in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. My niece, 21 years old. <coughs> Excuse me, 21 years old, gone. And no one could tell her probably even four or five years ago that you only have a short amount of time left. <coughs> we only can value that which we understand. And practically, this is a serious message, my friend, because as much as we just hear this, God, what he's saying is this, that you have to understand this, to put these, the, his rulership and see the seriousness of the, your responsibility to manage that which God has given you. To be able to put it over and above your situations. Because there are situations that happen every single day. You know, that people talk to us the wrong way. People lie to us. They cheat us. They do all sorts of things. You know, to harm us in some way, shape, fashion, or form. And I can assure you, my friend, if we don't understand the value of all of this, then there are some things that, 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 that can happen to you that you're not going to... Uh, Put you, that you're not gonna take from no one. See, we might take a few things, but most things we ain't gonna take from somebody, even though we believe, we'd have seen, and we believe. And not only seen and believe, but we'd even confess, we'd have told the testimony of the goodness of the Lord and who He really is. But see, when this stuff happens, then we that we we we, we set the rulership or the submission to the, his kingdom aside and we w operate in our kingdom. See, we set aside the, 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 his kingdom to, to please or, or to, to, uh, to, to, how you say it? To, for his pleasure. We set aside his pleasure because see, my pleasure is, is, is that you ain't finna talk to me like that and I'm finna handle this. See, I'm serious. I'm talking about practically. And this is the whole thing that God is saying that if you don't understand the true value in all of this, this is how you're going to continue to live. Up and down. This is going to be the same thing that you, the same thing that you've seen King Nebuchadnezzar and his children go through. That they'll know it for a minute. But when certain situations happen, see, when I decide, uh, yo, 12 months later, Yo, know, I forget about what didn't happen or it, or it simmers down in my spirit. And then I give another decree to make another God that these people got to uh, bow down to. Even though just 12 months ago, I didn't gave a decree that there ain't no other God that you should bow down to. And then when this happens. See. How easily we can be moved. And for us today, we move by situations. So yeah, it don't mean that you done, didn't, didn't know, didn't declare, didn't believe. But right now, see, and the only way that we're going to overcome this is get to the root of uh, understanding that, see, there ain't no situation that can happen that should take precedence over the rulership or our submission to the rulership to the kingdom of God. Or taking that which we rule and submitting it to the rulership of the kingdom of God. That's your choice. God has given you the, the, the dominion and the responsibility. And see, and the beautiful thing about God is that when he gives us the, the dominion, you see, he never took it back. He destroyed some things and started all over, but he never has taken dominion back from man. Even though when the Bible is clearly says that he was 
sorry, sorrowful that he had ever made man. And truly what it's really speaking to is that he was sorry that he gave dominion to man. That's what it's really saying. That he gave this man full authority over his household that just like Potiphar, when he gave it to Joseph, that he wasn't going to take it back. That God has given full control and see, he ain't going to take it back until he comes. You see, see, because if he was like us, then he'd give it today and tomorrow he's take it back. You ain't doing the right things. Come on, somebody. God says, no, I've given it to you. Now it's your responsibility to rule it for my pleasure and, and, and show me that you are still submitted to the truth which is that my my dominion God says is from generation to generation my dominion is everlasting this is huge for the mature believer it's calling us another step further it's a charge that says that you can't stay where you are just because you've seen because you believed and even the fact that you declared that God says, I, I need to sell, you need to, I need to be able to see the manifestation from day one day to the next of your submission of that which I've given you rulership over that you submitted back to my rulership, that you are living this in this way. Eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, nor have it entered into the heart of man that which God has in store for us. So this is a small sacrifice, my friend. It's the only, it, it, it's, it's, I say a small sacrifice, but it's, I don't even know if that's the right words because it's the only sacrifice. Anything else would be foolish because ain't nothing else gonna stand before the king it's not going to last. It's not going to, uh, it's going to burn up before the king. It won't stand in his presence. So yes, this takes us humbling ourselves and, and, and practically what it's going to do is that then it builds relationships in you. It puts God's love. Remember how we was talking about next week or last week, how, what he was saying to see, this is God's love then operating in us. See, because we don't have that pride <coughs> that's going to stop me from loving you when you messed up. See, because I'm going to take my rulership, my responsibility to, to please the master, I'm going to take it and allow it to, for God to manage it in me. I'm going to let God, I'm going to submit it back to his rulership. And see, when I submit it back to his rulership, it only can show me that which God has already shown me. Which he, so he loved me when I was messed up. Right. So then it becomes no problem for me to give you some love even though you messed up. This is his love operating through us. Not our love being shown to one another because he never told you to love. Not in the new commandment. He didn't say love your neighbor. As you love yourself. No, he changed that. He says in the new commandment, love one another as I have loved you, he says. And you know the story. He goes on to tell you how he loved you. He says he loved you, uh, John 15, 9, that I loved you with the same love the father loved me with. That's how I've loved you. So he left no uh, stone unturned that any mistake or anything could be declared otherwise. This is the God we serve. This is the God we serve. He's given us dominion, my friend, which is the authority to steward. And steward means the responsibility to manage for the master's pleasure. He's given us dominion over our talents, over our life, over the things that he's put in our custody. That's the dominion. He's given us these things. 
And that means that he's given us the authority to steward, not to have, hold, and, and use for our own pleasure. That's not what dominion means as it pertains to the kingdom of God. That's the mistake. That's the lie that has been told to the kingdom. Or been led, has led the body of Christ in such a way that we think dominion is, is for us to, to rule over in, in a way that's going to bring us pleasure. And see, in stewardship, we take it serious as a serious responsibility to manage for the, for the, for the master, for, for his sake. Are you managing that which God has given you responsibly for his sake? Are you taking on the responsibility to manage? Excuse me, I'm saying that wrong because that could take you in a whole different direction. Because responsibility to you may be something different to me and there's too much interpretation. No, are you, taking, are you taking responsibility to manage that which God has given you for his pleasure? The bottom line. If you're not, today is the day that you need to make that commitment in your heart to change it. We all do. And I understand the confusion that has been set before us because we could have easily, the way it's been led us to believe that we take the responsibility to run control over something as though it's ours and we disconnect it from truly what the source is and what this is all about. And today God has delivered truth. And please don't stay where you are. Please don't stay where you are. Let us look to the Lord right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we magnify and we glorify your precious name. We're thanking you today, Lord God, for another day that you've given us. This is a day that, Lord God, you've expressed the unadulterated truth to our hearts, Lord God that we have to die to ourselves. We can't continue to live the way we're living and, and just because we believe that we think we're doing you some service. The only service is for us to yield that which you've given us, responsibility, dominion over, Lord God, that we submitted our kingdom to your rulership, to the rulership of your kingdom, Lord God which has never been disconnected anyway. So speak to the hearts of your people, Lord God, and let us submit today in a way like never before. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Let's give God some praise.